Um, so right off the bat, folks, we're recording in a new location. Uh, so we're trying something out new. Um, I have nothing obstructing my view of Justine. I've got a beautiful view of Justine. Um, but also with that said, you know, we might have a little bit of a different, I guess what I'm trying to say is give us feedback on this. Uh, can you like shut up? Say what? One thing you can expect to hear in the background is some big black jacked up trucks because we're, I'm sorry, they don't, they're not, they may not be black, but um, the big trucks uh, we're in a rural area. So every time, once in a while, a truck goes by, you might also hear like the faint sound of sobbing because our neighbor just took their Trump 2020 fl flag down. So if there's any background noise at all, um, just, I think, I think they left up their uh, liberals go home signs. So they yeah, and the one that says that J.B. Pritzker can suck the uh, cream out of a Twinkie faster than I don't even know <laughs> what it says, but it's just like, wow, you guys are really you guys are really into it. So uh, we're about to spark up some joints. We're actually uh, joined with Chris, who's from Canabev. Chris, welcome to the Chillinois podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. So right off the bat, um, we threw you right in the middle of a conversation. Right off the bat, where can we find uh, you online? Where can we find Canabev? You can find Canabev on Instagram, uh, at YouTube, on the Weed Tube, um, was it Canabuzz? Uh, all of that. You can find me at Canabev. And Twitter. I, I, uh, I have a Twitter account. Um, I haven't tweeted anything yet, but at some point, I guess I'll have some thought that's so groundbreaking that it must be posted and, and sent out into the ether. <laughs> yep. Cool. All right. Well, I wrote that down. Cannabuzz, WeedTube, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, because this is the second take, folks. We actually tried to do a podcast with Cannabev before, and uh, it was lost. Speaking of the ether, it was lost to the ether. So <laughs> yeah, this is take two. But in the first take, I could not remember. Was it Cannabuzz? I just couldn't get that name. So Cannabuzz, I wrote it down. So you can find Cannabev. <laughs> on Cannabuzz, uh, WeedTube, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, Twitter at Cannabev, correct? Correct. Cool. All right. So um, I guess just right off the bat, tell us about Cannabev. Like, what is it? What do you do? Uh, well, Cannabev kind of all came out of my experience in the uh, um, wine and spirits trade. Uh, I'm a certified sommelier from the Court of uh, Master Sommeliers. I got that certification, uh, not this past uh, October, but two Octobers ago. And um, I sold wine for about five or six years. I worked in hospitality for over 10 years. Uh, COVID happened. And uh, I was kind of looking for an outlet as I was looking for something to do since I couldn't really sell wine and I couldn't work in a restaurant. And I was sick of kind of sitting around and trying to, you know, find a way to kind of express, you know, myself artistically, but also um, start something that I've been thinking about for a long time. I was like, you know, I saw a lot of parallels between beverage and cannabis and uh, the language is very similar. The science is very similar as well. So uh, what ended up happening was I was like, you know, I'm sick of, you know, thinking about starting a YouTube channel uh, and working on a project and I'm going to do it. And what was about six or seven months ago, I finally sat down and I started doing it. And then we've had Cannabev ever since. That's awesome. So um, I guess right off the bat, 
Can you tell us some of the parallels between the language and science of like, what was it? What did you call it? The small group? Is it? Sommelier. No, I I know. But he said like there was like a cool way that made it sound like I was no, that I knew what I was talking about. Ah, Psalm. Damn it. I fucking (laughs) blew that too. Well, it's clear that I don't know what I'm talking about, but can you, since you do know what you're talking about, can you tell us about like the relations between some of the language and science of beverages to cannabis? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So like, um, so the, the flavors that you get in, in wine come from a, a series of different things. Um, oak regimen, skin contact, um, you know, terroir or where, where the grape comes from. And it all impacts the taste of wine. Um, in a very specific area of France, in the Loire Valley, uh, that's where Sancerre comes from. Sancerre is Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, they just call it Sancerre because it's from there. Um, but Sancerre, um, I would say about four or five years ago, the quintessential flavor of uh, Sancerre was this kind of green bell pepper or maybe even jalapeno pepper. Um, and when you look into the science of it, you break it down, what gives it that flavor are terpenes. Terpenes create that green uh, green pepper flavor and that jalapeno pepper flavor. Uh, also in Cabernet Sauvignon that's from Napa that hasn't been grown fully where the grape itself is still underripe. You can also get that uh, green bell pepper flavor which is a product of the terpenes in the wine itself. Um, another parallel is a lot of folks know that, you know, hops are a cousin of uh, cannabis. The most common um, resins uh, that come out of the hop itself are myrcene and humulene, which is what you're trying to extract to get the hoppiness into the beer, but also the ter- uh, they're the same terpenes that you roast or decarb or you know however you want to consume to get the flavors and the effectiveness uh, from the terpenes themselves. Gotcha. It's crazy. It's crazy yeah. how like similar they all are, and it makes sense now. Um, when I look at your YouTube channel, knowing now that you're a certified Somalia, um, that I said it right. You got it, man. Back. You um, got it. I, I now realize where, yeah, where your knowledge of these strains are coming from. Cause you're, you pick up things that I definitely notice, but it's like, I was like, how does this guy, like, you're like a, I don't even know what I'm trying to say at this point. Well, not only that, but I mean, if you, if you smell a certain type of beer and you're like, Ooh, that's kind of skunky. And then, you know, you don't even True. put two and two together that there's a correlation. You just might think that it's just a coincidence, but True. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool how terpenes are all around us. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and I mentioned something like uh, component tasting is an important part of passing the, the exam itself. And really what I've discovered over a period of time is like, once you kind of get yourself familiar with the lingo itself and kind of how to break down, you know, into smaller bits, you know, what you're consuming, whether it's beer or wine or spirits or cannabis or a cocktail, like once you kind of break it down to smaller bits, you'll be able to figure out like a lot of that stuff as well. It's like, you know what you're smelling, you know what you're tasting. You just haven't put your finger on it. Like, I'm sure you had, I don't know what kind of beers you guys do. Do you guys drink uh, IPAs? 
I personally uh, do not drink IPAs. I'm not a fan of the real hoppy uh, hoppiness to it. And Justine. Cole drinks Bush Light and I, <laughs> I am a recovering alcoholic, so I do not drink. <laughs> okay. I, uh, yeah. I, uh, like, um, and, and Bush Light's totally fine. I've, I've waxed myself a couple cases of Keystone <laughs> in my day. Okay. Uh, but like when you have a, a hoppy beer, like you can taste it and you can taste like that, um, uh, like it tastes like tangerine. It tastes like, you know, uh, navel oranges. It tastes like clove. Like once you kind of discover what that is when you're tasting it, you go, oh, and you never forget. Right. Well, I just want to be clear. Justine kind of put me in a box and yes, I do drink Bushlight, but my tastes are also pretty exquisite. I also branch out to things like Natural okay. light and bud light. Oh, and- <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I will say though that as far as myself, you know, back when I was drinking, I was a big fan of doing, um, you know, like the little flights of different types of beer and uh, going to places that specifically had craft beers. So I wasn't. I was a little bit more of a sophisticated drinker than Cole is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. You know. Uh, you know. And I tell people like, there's. You know, there's a there's a beverage for every experience. There's a cannabis for every experience. You know, you can point your nose up at the at the natty ices and the cores and the stuff like that. But it's like if you're with friends playing a softball game or playing golf or something like that, cores is exactly what you want to drink. Like, I'm not feeling you know a really heavy vanilla you know porter. You know, when I'm when I'm when I'm she uh, when I'm uh, when I'm putting. It's just, uh, it's a little distracting, a little uh, dehydrating. Um, but yeah, like there's an experience for everyone. And that's really kind of what it comes down to is uh, is what kind of experience you want to have, right? Yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting if we had uh, an option, like <laughs> this is going to sound so stupid, but like a bush light or a bud light on the cannabis market. And by that, I mean a, a real bargain buy that, you know, is like you say, you, you can bank on it for a golf outing. Like everybody's right. going to be all right with it. You know what I mean? And it's going to get everybody through the day. Right. Right. Yeah. I know like, and, and I did an episode with those PBR seltzers, they have that low THC and it's like, that's kind of like, you know, you know, I guess the kind of session beer of THC beverages where it's, it's a low amount. It's not really, really high. And the, sure. the, you know, the beverage itself is pretty inexpensive. I was talking to, uh, to some folks about, I, I was talking about, uh, as we discussed before, the cannabis lawyer, we were talking about, you know, making a beer with, uh, with cannabis instead of hops or kind of right. bringing them two together. But in order to pull that off, you need like, say you want to dry hop it, um, which is putting it, the beer in after the boil uh, during the fermentation process. Um, you dry hop it with cannabis, like you're talking about putting an ounce of nugs inside your beer and that's really, really expensive. So it's kind of like, if you got the money to do it, fine, great. Like, awesome. I'll, I'll give it a taste. Uh, as long as you're paying for it. (laughs) Yeah. That's where you got to do it. Like, uh, like our big MSO cannabis companies here in Illinois and you just pick your absolute shit weed and that's what you choose to make infusions with. (laughs) <laughs> well yeah not absolutely ask- <laughs> we weren't asking you to th- throw the mso's <laughs> under the bus that's what justine sounded like she was trying to get sorry you about to- that hey what so speaking of maybe mso's what are you smoking on right now i'm actually still working on that revolution blackberry kush that's been good to me uh really i've not chill. even heard of that yet yeah so yeah 
tell us about it. Tell us like what, you know, kind of terp what, what's the terpene profile like and how's the smoke? Um, this one here, it, it's kind of like a, like a fruity pebbles, to be perfectly honest. It's got this lemon skunky kind of gassy thing going on on the nose. Um, nice trichome color colors and like a really dense buds. That's actually one of the things that I really like about Rev. Like a lot of the stuff I've gotten from them are, uh, have had dense buds and that's something that I always look for. Um, and the chill on it has been really good. Uh, I, um, one of the, uh, the most recent episode that I posted was a different format and I was really kind of nervous about it. And I re didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, and, you know, uh, through the, uh, doing the new format, um, I got myself more and more comfortable as I, as I was consuming the Blackberry Kush. And I was like, all right, so this is something that'll keep me focused, but, you know, keep, you know, not get me all jittery and stuff like that. Cause that's just like an experience that I try to avoid. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, that sounds like an awesome strain. That sounds like something I need for, yeah, like a big meeting, big project, something like that, where I'm kind of feeling doubtful and need a little bit of boost of confidence and, and uh, drive to get through something. That's, that's awesome. What strain was that again? Blackberry what? Blackberry Kush. Blackberry Kush. Yes, it is the child of Afghani and Huckleberry. It's nice. been pretty good. Like my dispensary that I go to, I go to New Age Care in, um, it's either, I think it's Displains, and uh, they're Rev House, so they have a ton of Rev stuff. Gotcha. What, so we'll uh, we'll plug your social media again throughout, folks. Check uh, check it in the description. Uh, we're here with Cannabev. Uh, he's on Cannabuzz, WeedTube, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at Cannabev. Um, just wanted to say that before we dove into like maybe some bigger picture topics. And uh, why don't we spark up some cannabis and uh, let's take you back to the day that you started smoking. When did you start smoking? Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Here, let's. There we go. We'll have mine. Very nice. Uh, Cheers. First time, I think uh, I was like 15, 15 or 16. And I was kicking it with three other friends. And my, uh, my buddy was able to score, you know, a couple of these little nugs there. They were green and leafy as hell. I remember that. And we had this old ass nasty uh, steel pipe. And we're all, you know, inhaling, coughing a lot, a lot. And, you know, and we're not, we're not getting high. We're not getting high. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. So my two other buddies uh, move on and I'm hanging out with my buddy, Mike still. And we're like, all right, let's give it one more shot. And we spark up and we feel it. And we just start laughing like a bunch of fools, just <laughs> giggling. And just like, uh, you know, every song on the radio is cracking us up. And we go to, um, I remember like, so we got the munchies real, real serious. Uh, and I can't remember, I know this was, you know, a while ago. I can't remember if it was dollar whopper or $2 whopper. I can't remember, but at that juncture, money was no object. And <laughs> I bought like four or five whoppers. And uh, I think I put down about two and a half to three of them. My buddy actually said he went home and tried to go to bed and actually had a bit of a freak out. Uh, with his first experience. But ever since then, I've been like, all right, this might be something I can work into the lifestyle. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So uh, if you don't mind me asking, how long ago was this? He said that it was like green looking buds. So maybe it wasn't the, the cartel brick weed days. Oh, <laughs> no, it? no, no. Totally was. Totally oh, was. was. Gotcha. I mean, it was green, but it was like dark green. It was all, you know, leafy and, you know, ditch weedy. Uh, 
and believe you me, I've had my peer, uh, my, uh, my, my share of, you know, you know, brick pack Mexican weed that has, you know, some kind of crystallizations on it that you hope are trichomes, but could be any matter of anything that was on the, you know, the cutting room floor. Uh, but, oh yeah, I mean, that's all we had all the way through, uh, um, all the way through undergrad. Um, every so often you'd get like, you know, somebody would have like a real dense, like, you know, pretty nug. And that dude was the most popular dude at the party that evening. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, it was just, you know, leafy, you know, a lot of leafy bud that if you smoke too much of it would just give you a crushing headache. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've had plenty of that for sure. And in fact, um, I'm pretty sure the last time that I bought flour in Michigan, it was actually just brick. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to call them out on that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, in undergrad, it was like, you know, take what you can get. You know, this is what's available. Smoke up. Okay, cool. <laughs> I feel like back in the those days, though, you almost like would be forced to learn the anatomy of the plant because nowadays you're you just get handed the buds. Justine just looked at me like I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> if you like uh, like the plants we have in the back, like if I would have that are growing right now, if I would have been handed those stocks when I first started smoking, I would have just thrown everything in the grinder and started smoking it up. You know, you don't know to take out the fan leaves or whatever else. Right. As far as we were concerned, that was just more plant matter for us to consume. Plenty of sticks, plenty of stems, you know, I mean, shit. I mean, I know what it's like, you know, to grind up some weed, pack up a bowl. And as you're smoking, you know, one of the, uh, one of the seeds, you know, pops from getting it too explodes. hot, you know, and it's like, yeah, dude, I know that world. I know that world really well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, the reason that I gave you that look Cole, is because, uh, in my mind, I was like, um, no, you just smoke it. I mean, you, you take what you can get and you smoke it all. And that's, you know, you never know any different. Yeah, it's just like I, the old, you know, since I'm so cultured, uh, the old rap thing is like pick out the seeds and stems. And so like, I'm just under the impression that, you know, you get this like stock and you have to process it yourself because they're basically just handing you the plant. And that, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I've heard other people with the same experience where they just, <coughs> excuse me, more to smoke. Um, but uh, what hey, you, man, you know, I ain't paying for sticks. I ain't paying for <laughs> sticks and stems though, man. You, if you're not, if you're not, you know, uh, trimming that proper, you know, I got to have my, my, my three point, uh, my 3.2 grams better not be any sticks, plenty of <laughs> seeds, plenty of seeds, you know, but no sticks, no stems. Well, it, and how does that, like, I'm sure you have very little complaints about the market today with, with the things you've been through. Would, would I know, say that? You know, the fact, I mean, it's an interesting juxtaposition, uh, the compared to the way it was. I mean, yeah, to buy an eighth um, back then, you know, it's still sixty bones. It was usually better. Like you can usually get like an eighth of of the ditch weed for about forty to forty five bucks. Now sixty bucks, you were getting decent. You were getting better weed. You were getting better weed. That's for sure. Um, now, like the price point is still in line with getting the better weed uh, when, you know, in the early 2000s. Uh, but now, like the strains themselves are better because they're coming from, you know, reputed cultivars and stuff like that. 
Right. Um, that being said, like the way that the market is run, like we could have better prices or the prices that we're getting charged, you know, or we should be getting better product, but these right. are, now we're talking inefficiencies in the market. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, just to highlight your point, Arizona just started adult use sales on Friday and they have a lot of the same companies that are operating uh, here in Illinois. Um, and, you know, they're right out of the gate, $30 an eighth on the adult use side. So um, yeah, that, definitely. Like you say, there definitely could be, we could both see an increase in quality and a decrease in price that would make everybody happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, it's an interesting issue. Like I'm always looking for the, the freshest herb I can get my hands on. Like, you know, most of the time, I think the best you can really get something at least uh, from where I'm coming from is five weeks. Sometimes you can get it a month out, but it's about four to five weeks is as old as the herb that I'm getting on the, uh, from the dispensary. Plus you can't see, you know, yeah, the container exactly. before you buy, which is kind of bullshit. Cause it's like, you know, you're getting, you know, you're getting last out. Right. You know, that's just the way it well, is. Well, and I was See, just about to say that I think this is really the answer to a lot of, uh, like, I re it's not like the complete answer. It's not the end all fix all to this high price, uh, taking a gamble on a product problem, right? There's those two problems, high price and you're kind of taking a gamble. I feel right. like people would be much more comfortable in the high prices and it would feel like less of a gamble if they could just see the product waft it smell it you know with COVID, i don't like the idea of people putting their noses in the container anymore so maybe we get like display nugs or something i don't know like there's got to be a an option so that people can make an informed purchase like in what other market are you not able to make an informed purchase this is like very unique to cannabis alone in my opinion uh, the, you know the beverage world the wine world you know sure um you know but I mean but i guess I guess you can go to tastings to, and stuff like that though. Right. But you're never going to get, uh, and this is kind of a different point, but this is a point I've made in the past. Like you're never going to get a Sauvignon. Like they're not going to give you a Sauvignon Blanc and say it's a Moscato. Like they actually even, I think would have a legal, like there right. would be legal re repercussions to doing that. Yes. And in cannabis, yes. there arguably isn't. And you've seen in like states like uh, Nevada, I think, uh, is one of them. California is another, which there's a big gray market problem there too. But they, you can almost sell any strain as anything, <laughs> you know? So what some oh, stores totally. do is like throw Khalifa Kush on the uh, label because it's got, you know, uh, hot, people are excited about that strain or whatever. So. Yeah, I think, I think the future of, the market itself, especially when we get legalization on the federal level and we start dealing with interstate commerce, there's going to be, you know, just like in, in wine appellations where things are, you know, distinguished from where they're grown and how they're grown and, you know, what the standards by which you can label things are. I think that's going to come to cannabis, but not until it's, you know, there's a, you know, it's, it's legal on the federal level uh, right. simply because, you know, each state can, you know, can claim whatever they want about what their herb, just like, just like they do around the world with wine, you know, you can call it a, you know, this is our reserve cannabis, or this is our reserve Cabernet Sauvignon. But what it means reserve Cabernet Sauvignon in Napa is different than what it means in Italy. You know, ah. you know, a, a Kush in, you know, you know, 
you know, take a miracle, Eric, uh, miracle alien cookies grown in California is grown, you know, in a different way or, you know, with, you know, different techniques or with some kind of other hybrid or what have you. And they all call it the same way just because of uh, name recognition. You know, eventually that's going to have to pass because it is kind of a loaded situation, right? I mean, you're kind of diving right in. I mean, you can, with, with wine, you can go to, you know, a Binnie's and, and have a tasting there, but the super expensive stuff, you really don't know. And you're kind of, you know, depending on the words sure. of, you know, of, of other people. And I think, you know, when you're asking, you know, a premium price, you know, at 60 bucks for people to, you know, you know, to gamble like that, I think that's really kind of unfair and, and they don't have to, it doesn't have to be that way. It seriously right. doesn't have to be that way. I mean, let's be frank. Cresco makes so much weed that it can sell it to grassroots and grassroots can put it underneath their label. And it's like, well, if you have a high supply, why am I getting old herb? Second of all, if you've got so much, you know, if you have such high inventory, why the hell aren't you just offering a discount just to get it off the shelf? Right. Yeah. And um, I feel like I interesting, interestingly saw this change to where um, when I started bud tending, we had sample jars that people could smell and the containers were for the most part see-through. You could see what you were getting, whether, but they were generally tinted, but then, yeah, I gradually saw it to where we had to get rid of all of our sample jars and all of the packaging started coming out opaque to where you can't see through it. Yeah. And I mean, there's little view windows on a lot of stuff, but I really don't think that that's enough. Cause even those are usually kind of frosted over and, you really just don't know what you're getting. Yeah, That's, I mean, in the kind yeah. in the container for the revolution, I have. I mean, you can look through the bottom of it, but it, it's it's concave glass, so you really can't get really a close look. Plus, you can't get an idea of density and you know what stage of the cure it's at and all that other kind of stuff. And that's important. Yeah, absolutely. So, Justine, that's a really good perspective that I did. I forgot excuse me, I'm coughing, um, that I forgot that I've never actually saw, but I remember you saying that and thank you for bringing that up again. I mean, they're able to, they were at least able to do that. I don't know if there's anything preventing them from having sample jars now, but you just heard it from a butt tender that was in the state of Illinois. Like it is, it was possible. There's no reason it shouldn't still be right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think once, you know, once COVID, you know, Sure. We move on sure. from COVID at some point, you know, and I think, you know, it only makes sense to allow us to do so, you know, it just makes us trust the brand or trust, you know, uh, you know, become, you know, a closer customer to any brand or, or any dispensary, you know, you trust the people that are, you know, hooking you up, they're not selling you some BS. I mean, as I, you know, if I said to folks, you know, that I talked to, they're like, as I said to folks that I talked to now, I'm clearly stoned. Um, <laughs> Like when you spend 60 bucks and then you go home and you pinch your butt and it turns to dust, like that sucks. Like that's a yeah. bullshit situation to be put in. And it's like, all right, well, I guess the lift is legit. So, you know, I'll keep smoking. Plus I spent 60 bucks. I'm not going to, we're not going to not smoke this. Right. Well, not only that, like, it's just like, honestly, it, it's, here's what I'll say about legality. We've, we fucked it up just about every which way we could have, right? But adult use legalization is really cool in the sense that, I mean, and, and this is just the, the baseline. This is, 
yeah, just baseline. I just remember the day, and I'm sure you do too, Chris, because you had to live a lot more of those days, uh, not to age you or anything, but like, you I know, the day where you got as the old guy. <laughs> when you got to call a guy, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, it'll be about an hour, right? It, it's never an hour, you know? And, never an hour. And it's- so, like, and when it comes to being that hour, like, it's just always a different plan and everything else. And, I remember the first time I went to Colorado and the people were like, Oh, Hey, it's going to be 30 minutes. And so I like, I was like, Oh, cool. I was really excited. And I sat down because this is the thing, you know, I know at the end of that 30 minutes, there's going to be something on the other side of that door that is probably going to get me high. Right. And I'm sitting down and just another comment, like all of the locals were like kind of bitching about all the tourists because like it was identified that I was a tourist so I don't know if they were specifically talking about me but I'm, I doubt I was the only one in there right and they were just like making the observation they were like yeah man I just wish they had like a line for in-staters only because like I know what I want I can get in get out these tourists like come in and they just like want to smell every product and like look at every product and it takes forever and I was just like sitting there silently thinking like I get where you're coming from totally. Like I hear your guys' complaints, but you have to understand how privileged you guys sound right now because like I had just driven over 15 hours for this experience and they told me I needed to wait 30 minutes. I was like, honestly, 30 minutes ain't that long with the guarantee that I got cheap product on the other side of the door. And so like that was a long way of saying that, uh, you know, as fucked up as Illinois uh, Illinois, like the, the, lo- the rollout has been, um, it's, it's still cool that at the end of the day, like today, if I needed weed, which thank God we don't. Right. But, uh, if I needed it, I could drive an hour and go sit in line for, you know, however long, and I will get some weed now, whether or not it's good, that's another question. And like you say, ultimately it's the lift that we're looking for. Right. And it's cool that at a baseline that you can still get high legally. (laughs) Oh, totally. I mean, it's, I mean, there's plenty of issues, you know, with uh, legality and, and, and the market and, and, and all of that, you know, around cannabis um, in any state. Um, Every state has done stupid things, you know, like no place is doing it, you know, exactly the way, you know, it it could be done. That being said, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I'm not calling up the dude. It's like, Hey dude, what's up? Like, oh, yeah, an hour. Cool. Like, all right. Um, hey, man, I can't come by you. All right. Actually, let's make it an hour and a half. All right, cool. Hey, dude, I can't come by you. Can you come by me in like two hours? Yeah, dude, cool. And you, you know, you pick up your like, right. I am not like, uh, I'm certainly happy. That's not, you know, what I have to go through to, to, to pick up, you know, and you damn right. Like if I'm driving 15 hours, like I'm smelling all the motherfucking weed. Like there's just yeah, two exactly. ways about it, you know? And it's like, right. sorry about it. Like, I ain't trying to be, you know, I ain't trying to be like that. Like I'm paying the taxes on it. You know, I'll be gone. You'll never see me again. Like, let me right. sniff my weed. You know, like, so I can get some dry ass shit and go home. And you never see me again. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. One thing, uh, just speaking of Colorado and, and kind of bringing it back to Illinois that, that we're lacking also on the front of just like having bad experiences is the idea that you can return products and like actually, um, you know, the Colorado has the marijuana enforcement division, which regulates and enforces Colorado's cannabis industry. They track every cannabis plant from product, uh, end product from seat to sale, uh, through the metric tracking system. So they don't use BioTrack, but uh, like Illinois does. Uh, so basically, 
um, some contaminated batches have gone out. And this is just one article I'm reading from Westworld, or sorry, Westward. Um, it's a magazine uh, in Denver, I do believe. We've gotten a couple copies when we go. If, pro tip, if you go to Colorado and you go to like a either a dispensary or a 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven is a good place you can find Westwards. If you find a Westward magazine, it, the back of it, there's just so many fucking coupons for dispensaries and it comes out every week. And it's like, if you're, you know, there's plenty of online deals and stuff, but this magazine is made for like, if you're looking for good deals on weed. So just a pro tip. I want to live, it... live in that world. Bring coupons <laughs> for weed. To yeah, it's, publications. it's it's literally like you know how we receive it in the news in the in the mail, you know, and there's the all the coupons that generally people just throw in the trash. It's like that except for weed, getting it every week. <laughs> That'd be a crazy nice. world to live in. But anyways, they were reporting that nine marijuana dispensaries have issued recalls for mold and yeast. That's something that I don't think happens in Illinois. A recall? I don't know. I've never I heard of seen that. that yet. I haven't, so, I haven't heard of that. I've seen some like I've seen some unfortunate containers, oh, you know, yeah. that have clearly molded or I saw one like wasn't there one that had a moth in it or some shit? Yeah, like, yeah, we shock. actually posted a picture of that, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Yeah, there's and we've I've gotten some crazy batches like and I would argue that my situation would have should have warranted a recall. I still have pictures and video of when I found metal in shit. Uh, fucking uh, ounce that I got from Cresco. No and, shit. Yeah, and I mean, they even gave me a hard time about it. It's like I uh, like it was like arm <laughs> and a leg to try to get uh fucking any service on it. You know. Yeah, you're like, listen, I did not add a piece of metal to my weed just so I can get an extra ounce. Like this is not some kind of con. You know right. that th- those situations you know, when we're talking about recalls and we're talking about finding things inside of um, containers. Um, we're talking that's agribusiness. That's big agribusiness, sure. you know, and I'm not talking about agribusiness on the level of like soy and corn and stuff like that, but the agribusiness of cannabis, it's like they're growing on such a humongous scale that things like that can happen because they're probably using, you know, pesticides or the, you know, the curing facilities aren't sanitized as necessary, you know, as necessary as they could be, you know, stuff like that, just because they're doing so much of it. You know, just because there's, you know, there's a huge market. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I mean, just to, yeah, that's definitely from what we've heard a sign of like, yeah, industrial, like industrialization uh, or what, whatever you said, it was, you said you big put it agribusiness. big agribusiness. Yeah. You put it much more eloquently. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that they have got so much weed that they don't even have time to hand trim it. So they just send it through these machine trimmers. And that's yeah. probably where that metal came from. I would oh, guess. no doubt. I mean, I don't know where else in the like cannabis, you know, like it was like within a nug. And then like I found it on another one, like it was on multiple nugs and like it was, it was concerning, you know, and like it, it, it can contacting them. I almost wish I wouldn't have. That's how that that's like kind of how I felt about the experience. Like they uh, full uh, to be clear, they gave me another half ounce for free. Um, but like it was a note that said you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. It was basically like they were helping me out. And I was like, I was like, okay, like I definitely want you to correct this situation. But part of me reaching out to you is like, as a customer, as a person that has purchased your brand, you know, we have this relationship 
But that's what yeah. I, at least I thought. I was under the impression that we did. And, well, I uh, mean, yeah, the, the market, it, there's such a high demand for it and there's such few players. I mean, we have an oligopoly. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, they can treat people however the hell they want to treat people. And yep, it, you know, exactly. from, from the consumer to the, you know, to, I mean, let's be frank, some of the, some of the people that work in the dispensaries or work in the, the industry in, in general, it's like so many people want to be a part of it. And so many people are consuming it, you know, you can lose, you know, you can lose a client here or there, you can lose a hundred clients here and there, you know, right. with the, what did they make last year? Like $4 billion, something crazy like that. When you're making $4 yeah. billion, if you, if you piss off one dude, because he's got metal in it, it's like, whatever. I mean, that's why. Exactly you know, these permits that are supposed to be coming out are such a big deal. So we can start kind of, you know, giving ourselves and, you know, kind of a break from, from the oligopoly treating everybody, how they feel like treating people, which is yeah. not good. Well said. Well said. I mean, you're right. Like I've always just said that their perspective on it, whenever I've really thought about it, like you say, their perspective on it, which they didn't say this to me, but it's probably like, where are you going to go? You gonna drive 15 hours? You know, you still want to drive 15 hours to Colorado? No, you don't. Look at it as a convenience tax. You know, we're giving you some shitty weed, but we're giving you weed nonetheless. <laughs> so, but anyways, I, um, yeah, it's a, it's a messed up world. You know, we, but I hope that, like you say, when these uh, licenses get awarded, that things go for the better. I want to be clear. Mike Malcolm made a really good point. It's interesting that they've structured the, at least from what he was telling me, he, they've structured the dispensary licenses to come out first. Now, think about this. Like you said earlier, uh, what did you say? You went to a Rev shop, you know, and you go to that because it's got a bunch of Rev products. You know, you know, you can get a lot of good, solid Rev products there. Well, if there's 75 new stores and they don't like somebody out of those 75, they could very well, you could very well have shitty, I'm just going to say quote unquote shitty stores because they don't maybe have a, a good relationship with uh, the cultivator. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I saw that kind of, um, I guess it, like political type situation with working in the dispensary where there was a MSO or a, a big cultivator that owned a dispensary and they were supposed to be starting to carry a competitor's product so that Cresco stores could carry that product as well. I'm not, I don't remember the specifics of it exactly, but I know that when it came down to it, um, that first cultivator owned dispensary decided not to follow through with it. And it was just a whole big situation. And we got shorted on some pretty good brands because of that. Yeah. That's how they control the supply. Yeah. Right. Like they can control, they control the points of access, you know, it's, it's a great way for them to maintain their oligopoly and, and shout out, you know, you know, to Mike, like Mike is cool as hell and he's real smart about this stuff. Like if you're not listening to Mike, you should be listening to Mike. Uh, but it's like, I think of it this way, like um, when we think about the oil tycoons back in the day, like Rockefeller, he didn't, he had a monopoly, but he didn't own the entire supply chain. He just owned the refineries. In this situation, all the big cultivars, they don't own all of the weed. They just own all the points of distribution. 
So it's like, all oh, right, well, it's like, you're either going to buy for us or you, and they force the dispensaries. It's like, you either buy for us or you're shit out of luck. Right. You know? So like, let's do another parallel to the, um, to the uh, beverage world. So the two biggest distribution houses in Illinois are Breakthrough Beverage and Southern. And like, they're the Absolutes, the Bacardi's, you know, the Millers, you know, all of that stuff, all the major brands, everything that you see on a rail at a bar, they essentially have for the most part. And say you want to buy, you know, a specific kind of wine and they say, all right, well, you know, what you're going to do is you're going to buy five cases of Absolute Vodka and five cases of Bacardi and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, I don't need all that stuff. And it's like, well, if you want this wine or you want this specific spirit, you're going to buy all this other stuff. And it's like, or, you know, you won't have it and your guests will call for absolute. You won't have it. They'll go somewhere else. Like they just force you to buy shit that you don't want. That's just the way it works. Or they'll be like, so say like they're opening another big shit restaurant on Randolph row or someplace Mm -hmm. in um, uh, river North. And they'll be like, all right, like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to sell you vodka dirt cheap. Like you're just gonna make a killing at every cocktail that you sell, you're going to make 300% on it in exchange for that. We take, you know, we're going to do 75% of your, of your wine list, you know, and we're talking hmm. like for, you know, a big place at river North that has a big wine list. That's tens of thousands of dollars. Like that's just the way it works. And it's like, if you're, you're either going to get absolute that people are going to, you know, call for, or you get nothing, you know, and give a 75% of your menu or you get nothing. That's, you know, that's how they make yeah that's how they maintain control because they've got the brands they got that's the brands nuts. well so yeah mark, mark my words going forward i i mean this is my prediction um and i've not i've it's been formulated by others i'm not going to say it's totally original um i feel bad because i can't credit but I've, i'm not going to take credit like this isn't my idea necessarily but i i foresee this was this first part definitely was uh by Mike Malcolm. So I'll credit him on this one. Um, the new dispensaries don't have to be given weed. I mean, like to an extent they're going to be, they're going to be able to order some, but you're going to see some disparities. I'm sure depending on who the individual is that's operating. And if they've bowed down um, kind of like you say, and just in that parallel to the beverage industry, it's like, you kind of like got to bow down and feed into their demands offer. You probably got to, if you're going to work with them, you carry these products and not these products because those products compete with our products. Right. And like, right. There's probably, um, I'm sure there is uh, for that because that's actually an answer I had gotten once from a dispensary I was shopping from. I think it was, yeah, no, it was turning, it was turning into a sunny side. So it was Phoenix botanical at the time. And I wanted to get SCCS CO2 oil. Right. And I was like, why is it always available at New Era, which is like 10 minutes away, but it's never available here. It's not like the truck doesn't come down here. And I'm like, to be honest, the CO2 oil competes with our RSO. And so we don't carry it. I'm just like, <laughs> okay. And I get it. Like, I get that that's their store, like you say, vertical integration. So why would you pay other people to bring weed to you when you have those, when you create those your own products that do that, right? I, I get it from a business perspective, but like, anyway, so like I say, with the one prediction is that new dispensaries, there's, we're going to see some disparities in the selection, right? And there's going to be some people that just totally get, for lack of better words, fucked, you know, I, I don't know. I just, 
that's a prediction. Um, but then also when the new cultivators come onto the market, and I don't remember who put this idea in my head. I think it was something on Reddit. But I think there's going to be a massive pr- price drop. You know, so all these sixty dollar eighths and all that shit. Like, like you say, they're selling it uh, in bulk to other companies and repackaging it. So there's obviously surplus, right? Um, we're probably going to see like a massive price drop after oh, the certainly. new cultivators like certainly. start operating, so that they have like a really uphill battle. You know? Oh, certainly. I mean, you know, one of the things that you know. It's a a similar business model. They have, especially, you know, how they hold on to the permits and, you know, they force these, you know, smaller operations to hold on to these permits and, you know, or or these opportunities. So, you know, they're just kind of sweating, sweating them out in the legislature, right? Because they have that cash that they can sit on, you know, just like you said, they'll drop the prices. So they make all the new guys look expensive and, and uncompetitive, you know, even if you siphon 25, 30% of those, you know, just on price alone, that still hurts the new guys. So like, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what pricing model that the new places come out with. Do you want to be less than 60 bucks? Do you want to be 60 bucks? Cause you also don't want to, you know, undersell the product that you're offering. If you genuinely think that you're the house selling, you know, the drowest herb on the market, you know, saying 60 bucks for it, you know, you know, might be in your best interest or even calling for 80 bucks on there. You know, I think, you know, the big cultivars are going to do their best just to hold on to, you know, this is all about, you know, sinking their claws into the market share as much as humanly possible, you know, messing with prices, holding on to supply, you know, and also, I mean, don't be shocked if we get past, you know, COVID and they're like, you still can't smell or check out the herb before beforehand. At least the products that they just tried, you know what you're getting, you know what you're getting from, you know, you know, you quote unquote, you know what you're getting from Cresco or Rev or, you know, or New Era or what have you. These new cultivars, you ain't seen shit yet. You know, you have to let the market kind of discuss around, you know, discuss amongst itself, like who's legit and who's not. You know, it's it's really, like you said, it's really a serious uphill battle. Absolutely. Any thoughts, Justine? Yeah, I mean, I'm... I have been seeing some of the craft growing applicants. Um, I agree with you that, you know, if you have a house strain or flower that you really think is worth paying $60 an eighth for, then by all means you should sell that. But it wouldn't be fair if all the larger companies dropped their eighths down to $40, you know, you're going to have a a much harder time moving your product versus theirs. And yeah, it's going to be really tough on the new craft growers for sure. And, you know, but this all goes into what uh, you folks are doing and what I'm trying to do or another, a number of other folks are doing in the market right now is, you know, informing the public, you know, once again, we're going back to the point uh, the Cole made about, you know, buying a product, you know, essentially sight unseen, you know, when we're getting out this information to folks, like, I think they'll be a little bit more comfortable to, you know, to check out, you know, those new cultivars that are coming up, because I think they'd be doing great stuff. I mean, who gets into this? If you're a small time operation, you know, yes, you want to get paid and all that, but like, you also want to make, you know, a great product, you know, 
your name means everything. Like you don't have to be a huge house to, you know, to have a serious imprint on it. Another parallel to, you know, to wine, like there's small houses that do some of the best stuff in the entire world. You know, they don't have to make a million cases to be good at it. And, uh, and I think, um, you know, coming up, we're going to actually experience, you know, some really, really great stuff. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to plug uh, what you do again, can, uh, Chris. Uh, so you're uh, online known as Cannabev. You're on Cannabuzz, Weed, WeedTube, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, and what just to kind of bring it back to the conversation we're having now, um, you, I feel like, bridge the gap. Um, that's what I like because I, I feel like, you know, I can take your word. I've watched – uh, some of your reviews and I'll go out and get the product that you got. And I don't know if I already mentioned this, but like you're always spot on. And uh, I, I feel like I can take your word on going to get a product. And that's uh, a lot of the, re- like besides the fact that you're just making killer content, that's another reason I wanted to bring you on because this conversation we're having right now, like you're helping to fix it as much as we can by reporting on these things and, and publishing this information for people because um, there goes a truck. There goes a truck. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, seriously, uh, I, I want people to check you out online uh, because this topic we're talking about right now, like you're doing a really good job of helping people make an informed purchase. And I feel like it's going so f- as far as we can to fix this fucking problem. So Thank you. I very yeah. much appreciate you saying that. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, that you guys enjoy what I'm making. Um, yeah, I, you know, I come from a, you know, a background of hospitality, you know, and, and, you know, taking care of people, you know, I've sold wine, you know, for so long to so many people, you know, it seems like this, there's this level of mystique that, that surrounds wine, you know, that people, it's so hard to be wrong about it. And it's like, eh, it's okay to be wrong about it. You know, just, you know, you, you learn about the process, you know, you will learn what you like, you know, when you, and you do your thing, like with cannabis, you know, you know, to go back to your, you know, your, your very first question, you know, where cannabis come from? It's like, I want folks to get, you know, comfortable with this. Like the flavors are great. You know, the lift is great. You know, I, I want f- folks to look at cannabis you know, more as a supplement to their day, as opposed to, I don't know, as opposed to a drug, you know what I mean? Like, I like to use cannabis, I like to medicate with cannabis to help me find my peace to, you know, to chill out, you know, when I'm having anxiety right before I'm, you know, I'm about to shoot, you know, an episode or a review, like cannabis helps, you know, or scripting, or I'm frustrated with work, you know, and I get to chill out, you know, and I think, once people get, you know, comfortable with the lingo, know what to expect when they go into a dispensary, you know, comfortable asking a number of questions to get, you know, to the experience that they're looking for, you know, I think, you know, then I would have provided, you know, you know, some level of service or hospitality to the, to the people that are, that are cannabis curious. You know, I know, you know, I, I talked to friends, uh, I talked to friends about this, you know, it's like some of my episodes are for, you know, people that are, you know, experienced cannabis consumers. And some of my, you know, episodes and reviews are for people that are just cannabis curious. And, you know, it's all about finding that experience that helps you find your peace. That's really what I'm looking for. And in my experience in working with, you know, alcohol, you know, I, 
I didn't find my peace working in the, in the, in the alcohol industry, whether consuming or selling it. Um, but I feel like once people kind of look at cannabis more as an option, um, I think that's going to, that's going to change a lot. And, uh, I hope to be a part of, uh, of the community that, uh, that does that. Well said, I think it, it actually kind of goes back to a topic we were just talking about right before air coffee. Like this is how I, I really think coffee and cannabis are like hand in hand. Uh, you damn right. That's they go. Every they morning. go. I mean, I think people call it the hippie speedball, right? <laughs> is that what they call it? Um, so yes, uh, yes, it is. Yeah. So, but like, let's be real, Chris, like I've worked in plenty of different places and they're like, Oh, we're a drug free environment. And they're like, but I'll be goddamned if we don't start the day with some coffee. Like, and it's like, as if coffee isn't a drug. Right. And so like, but it's weird that coffee is so ingrained in our culture. Like you start the day with coffee. Don't talk to me before I had my coffee, you know, like the people have mugs that say like, if it's empty, don't talk to me, you know, like, and it's, it's, it's as much as in part of a, uh, ingrained in work culture in my opinion is saying it's five o'clock somewhere i'm looking forward to five o'clock that comes up all the time happy hour yeah everybody everybody it's so normalized and it's in culture but um you know you don't see that with cannabis yet the devil's harvest is coming for you you know like (laughs) hey man like i understand like i mean i was a you know i'm a dare kid like i grew up in the 80s i grew up in the early 90s like i know what it's like dude like like for me growing up, smoking weed was one step away from uh, less than zero. You ever see the movie Less Than Zero with Robert Downey Jr. and James Spader? Yes, I saw it a long time ago. Okay, like for me, it was like, once you smoke pot, you're one step away from James Spader selling your ass to, you know, LA lowlifes, you know? <laughs> like, it was like, that's what was, in, you know, all set up in, in, inside young people's head. And then, you know, the you know generations before us with the reefer madness and what's associated with people who smoke, you know, cannabis, long hair hippies, and people that don't look like suburban white kids, right? I mean, let's be frank, you know? And so it's like, but, you know, drink all you want, you know? If I come home, you know, and smoke some weed, like just to chill out, it's like, oh, like, you know, look at that guy, he's out of control. If I came home and had, you know, three fingers of bourbon every night, you wouldn't bat an eye. You know, you wouldn't have a thing to say. And like, especially with cannabis, it's like, it's so shitty, especially when it comes down to, you know, testing and shit like that. Like, now I've worked in restaurants and there's some shady people who work in restaurants, hands down, especially in the city. Like if I had an alcohol problem or a cocaine problem and I was clean for three days, I could take a drug test and pass it. But if I smoke, you know, if I smoke weed, you know, after work every day, you know, sorry, you can't work here. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is a crazy, crazy disparity. Um, So I did take a note from the last time that we talked um, and we, we said we were going to talk about a topic and we can, we can, you know, let this one cook, but I want to, cause I want to talk to you about growing up as a dare kid, but here in a bit, we're going to talk about the times we should have gotten busted with pot. <laughs> oh, yes, please. By all means. <laughs> yeah. So, but like I, think like the I say, of limitations has passed in most of them. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Same here. So, um, or at least I hope. Right. Uh, so, um, yeah. Tell us about <laughs> growing up as a dare kid though, because I saw the tail end of it and actually the town that we, uh, live near when you're driving into it, I, 
I'd like to ask the town. I want to I want to acquire this in the appropriate way. Young me would say, I'd like to figure out how to steal this sign, but I would like to figure out how to appropriate appropriately acquire this sign because it says literally like this is a dare. Town. I'm sorry. A- I'm sorry. It, are you asking me in an indirect way to help you cut down a sign? <laughs> because if you Maybe. are, we're not having this conversation, but you know, let's talk in the green room later. Sure. Yeah. We'll talk in the green room later. Uh, but anyway, this sign that we're hypothetically talking about stealing is I'm joking. <laughs> is uh, It's a dare sign. And it says how this is a dare community. And it's just like such a retro sign. I'll have to take a picture of it for the folks that um, yeah, want to see it. I'll post it on please, Instagram please. if I can. So, um, but yeah, tell us about growing up as a dare kid. What was that like? <laughs> um, you know, you know, the after school specials of, I mean, I remember, I remember going to one of these dare things when I was in uh, middle school. I mean, I had to be in fourth or fifth grade. Oh, no, no, no. I had to be in junior high at this point. This was kind of an intense thing, but it was like this new kid came to a school and met a, you know, made friends with somebody on the first day and got invited to a party. And like at the party, this friend that he had just made was smoking weed and he like, he freaked out. Yeah, he, um, he, uh, he died from the weed that he smoked. Uh, and at the end, like, you know, and you go through all the tragedy and all that stuff with the family and like, the true story. But one of the things that they leave out was that the uh, kid smoked um, marijuana laced with cocaine. So it's like, you know, you don't know what kind of weed you're going to get. You could be getting, you know, you know, you know. So weed. it's an argument for legalization. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Right. So we can have some regulations around these things can control the kind of market. Right. But <laughs> right. yeah, like it was like all of that stuff that, you know, people, you know, you know, I remember, you know, things on TV, if, you know, being afraid of women who sell their bodies for drugs and stuff like this. And it's like, Jesus, it's like, like, I'm just, you know, getting out of high school. This is kind of intense you know, for, you know, scare tactics, you know, in a number of movies. I mean, you know, once again, when I was younger, you know, seeing movies like Less Than Zero and and New Jack City and shit like that, and just seeing this like, fuck, that's what crack does to people. Like, I don't want any of that. Like, I ain't smoking nothing ever. Right. <laughs> like, that's why I'm like, um, I know we've discussed this before, like, when my buddy busted out his dab rig for the first time and he busted out the, uh, the torch and I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, law dude, like, this is not for me, man. Like, I know how this goes. Like, mm-mm. Uh, and then he's like, no, no, no. And like, he explained to me what it was all about, but that was like, uh, when I first saw that, that was a, that was a bridge too far. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I went through the dare program growing up as well. And I remember when I was probably, um, I would say like fourth or fifth grade, and we had to do these little presentations of why drugs are bad and that kind of thing with the um, one of the deputies from the local police. And I remember thinking like, you know, you would have to be so stupid even to just smoke pot. Like your life would have to be so bad. I would never, ever do that. Like that's just terrible. And then cut to you know, three years later when my friends tell me, Hey, do you want to try weed? And I'm like, Oh my God, I thought you'd never ask. Yes, please. Let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, through pop, you know, from pop culture and, you know, programs like dare and, and all the other shit that, you know, 
that they do to uh, to shame us. Um, like everybody looks at it through the lens of, you know, once again, to use this image, and I'm sorry to keep using this on your, on your podcast, people selling ass for drugs. And it's like, <laughs> there's like, there's a lot of middle ground there, you know, listen, all right. <laughs> um, I was, uh, when I was selling wine in the city, I was uh, getting to where the uh, highway splits to either go up to the North shore or go out, uh, we're 90 and 94 split. And as I'm turning, you know, and merging in traffic, you know, since it's going so slow, I look over and there's a dude in a business suit with a bowl in his hand smoking. And it's like, there are people like that smoke just to chill out, you know, or smoke to be more comfortable in a social situation or to be able to focus on something. It's like, it's not like, it's not, you know, cannabis straight to heroin and crack, you know, right. we go from Cheech and Chong to American gangster you know, and an after-school special. It's like, no, it's it's not like that. <laughs> well, I uh, if folks were wondering why in the description it says selling ass for drugs, it's uh, because you said selling ass for drugs. I'm just, I'm uh, I just thought that was funny, so I'm definitely throwing that in the description. Hashtag it, whatever. Yeah. It's cool. Hashtag selling ass for drugs. I love it. I love it. So yeah, that's crazy. Um, I yeah had a similar experience with uh, videos, but it was. It was interesting. It was on like the tail end of it, you know, like the internet was becoming more and more prominent and just slowly but surely uh, this dialogue of, you know, reality. If you guys hear any background noise, that's because Justine's filling up her bottle of water. She needed some H2O. <laughs> no, it's, it's hydration hey, got, is important. Yeah, hydration is important. I think I'm going to hydrate myself right now. Folks, drink water. It's good for you. Cheers. Drink water. Hell yeah. It's a water. All right. I love me some ice cold water. Good shit. So anyways, yeah, we were, I was just saying I had a similar, but um, I don't know. The experience was on the tail end. Like I say, of like, a, it's almost like the information era or like the fact that you could just fucking Google something and be like, that's not right. Right. <laughs> you yeah, know, I and mean, that, and, and like, I mean, dare is like, was one of the greatest how-to like programs that's ever existed. Like you learn more about smoking weed and smoking crack than you do anywhere else. Like I didn't know anybody smoking crack or, you know, or smoking right. weed or, or using heroin. And it's like, Oh, that's what, you know, somebody using a needle looks like. That's what somebody smoking looks like. Got it. Like I had no clue. And it's like, thanks dare. <laughs> right. Right. Thanks for the information. We used to always joke about that as well. Like, it's like, I'm, I'm learning more about this. I didn't know. I didn't know about this, but uh, the troubling thing, I think I may have said this in the show about the approaches like dare, in my opinion, is like, is the, this age that we're living in when you can Google something and find out maybe that it's not true, but maybe you don't do follow-up Googles. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, if somebody tells you your whole life that this is crazy and that you will, like if you didn't find out that that kid had laced marijuana that he smoked in that video or whatever, if you didn't like find out that other bit of information and you just came away that you can die from smoking weed, like, and then you find out that that bit is definitely not true. The, the scary thing for me is when you start to question, what else are they lying to me about? And maybe you don't do, maybe you don't Google everything. Maybe you just start to wonder, like, are they lying to me about everything? Right. And I think that's dangerous for a young mind. Um, and I think it's right. just like the, yeah. the wrong approach ultimately, you know, if there's, um, 
I mean, there's a lot of shame involved with it. If right. you were ever to consume it, you're a loser. Do you want to be like, that's, that's what they say. You're a loser. Right. Losers use, losers use. And it's like, you know, and it's like, you know, users are losers kind of stuff. And it's like, like the shame tactic that was used to shame people out of it was, you know, more effective for the, you know, for the, for the curious people. And, you know, you didn't, and all you did was, you know, it's, it's, it goes into kind of regulate, trying to regulate people's behavior uh, through shame uh, typically doesn't work, <laughs> uh, at least in my world um, as an adult. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they, you know, they essentially kind of set up, you know, more boogeymen, you know, uh, other things to, to, I don't know, it sounds awful. Uh, another way to control, you know, the populace and, you know, what they do uh, yeah. in their spare time. Like if, you know, don't, you know, uh, are you, you know, do you consume cannabis? You're a bad person. Shame on you. You know, you need to be living in the shadows kind of shit. And it's like, um, maybe that's not the way to do it. That's not the way to do it with any of, you know, if, with any person who consumes any, you know, controlled substance. I mean, the shaming of people who, who use heroin and it's like, there's our, or, or, uh, um, what you call it, uh, um, methadone or, or not, not methadone, right. but, um, uh, but, uh, heroin, uh, fentanyl, all of that stuff. It's like, yes, this is a problem, you know, and I want to help people, but like there's, you can't shame people into finding help and you can't shame people into not using, like, I think kind of, a you know, an understanding and a compassion I think needs to be created with people who, you know, use, you know, both cannabis, but people who use, you know, harder drugs and stuff like that, you know, and I think when we find a little bit more of the humanity and, you know, and where everybody's coming from, I think, you know, some of those, the shame, you know, the shame traffics can go away where it's like, how do we get, you know, medicine into the hands who actually need medicine, like, you know, people who have cancer or people who have, you know, PTSD, and how do we get the help to the people who use, you know, more illicit substances, like, and when we, you know, once again, if we look at it from a more compassionate um, uh, perspective, I think we'll get farther in both worlds. Definitely, well said. Um, if Sorry, I, I uh, when you first started talking, I was talking over to you, talking over you because I passed Justine this joint that I had lit up, and I have another one. In didn't my you just hand. have a? Didn't you just have a bubbler or some shit at the beginning? Uh, no, but we had the ice going because we were gonna ice out the bong. I forgot to do that. Yeah, we did have a bubbler on hand. I think you may have heard that, but I didn't ice it out yet. I forgot to ice it out to smoke. No. We're just, or I've given away, right along. I've given away all of my, almost all of my glass. I used to have a bubbler. I used to have a, a bong. Uh, there was a couple of things that we built in undergrad that don't exist anymore, but uh, all of my, uh, all of my big pieces have gone away. Yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, we've got, I think a little bit too much, honestly, we should part <laughs> with some, um, but we need to do it strategically because like you say, you hate to be in that situation where it's like, Oh man, I, I really liked that piece, you know, and you kind of reminisce on it or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I, I was really, Omo for really, a piece that you once had. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, yeah. Do you have any, like, <laughs> I remember there was this one bowl that I had and I named it Ray Ray and it was just the best bowl. And I dream about this bowl. And if my friend's listening right now, you first of all, you're a good friend. 
for listening to my podcast. And second of all, I hope you remember <laughs> Ray Ray because it was such a great bull. But yeah, do you have any like pieces like that that you still reminisce on? Everybody's got their favorite piece, right? Oh, certainly, certainly. Like, um, I had this Gandalf piece had this really long stem on it. It was groovy as hell. <laughs> like, like I had uh, I had a chair that if we, I could lean back in, you know, play video games or surf the web or even work on, you know. <laughs> college homework uh <laughs> um when i was an undergrad and like you kind of rested on your chest and just kind of puff away and a buddy of mine came over and i was handing it off to him and he kind of like he didn't open up his hand he just kind of extended it and i hit off the backhand side of his hand out of my hand and hit the arm of the chair and snapped the neck i was like no it's all happened in slow motion <laughs> yeah yeah. And then um, As it always does. <laughs> I picked up a piece a long time ago. I gave it to a friend. So a friend still has it. So it's not like it's out of my life. <laughs> this bull is never out of my life, but always in my heart. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I went out one night with a uh, friend of mine. She and I went out and to, uh, to a shop and I bought this steamroller that had like, like the bowl like came down into like a dragon's face inside the steamroller and this uh and the smoke would come out of the nose and the mouth and stuff like that right. and uh i had that for a long time and uh, i gave it away to my buddy and he has it but it's like sometimes i'm like sometimes i would like to have that steamroller back <laughs> it's a steamroller that got away but fortunately i do away. not yeah i don't wake up in the middle of the night calling for it so i mean you should probably talk to somebody about about yours about right <laughs> yeah yeah no i i definitely need to talk to somebody about that um it's a problem that needs to be talked out <laughs> need to talk it out with a glass blower that can heat like maybe i can describe it and he can like make it again right but it'll be know. ray ray too <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so uh yeah uh so once again, Chris from Canabev, let's go, let's go into uh, times we should have gotten busted with weed. <laughs> These are pre-legalization uh, days, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. what was it? Um, uh, one time uh, when I was an undergrad, um, I was, you know, that, that's when I was, I don't know if you can abuse cannabis, but if you could, we were doing that in undergrad. So I was deep into that with with my with my brick pack uh, <laughs> and uh a friend of mine had come into town and uh she was like hey like like do you have any weed and i'm like you don't smoke weed and she's like yeah like that um uh, this guy that i'm seeing is, is smoking weed uh like and i want to get used to it and i'm like all right cool let's go for a cruise like because like at western like i mean you can't get high in your dorm room like so you got to go for right. a cruise and it, you're just surrounded by you know open you know open roads so we go for a cruise <laughs> and we get stoned or like oh we're going to go to the to the after party um so i i'm coming into the major intersections and there's two cops on my side two cops across the street uh two squad cars so i'm like all right cool shit i take a left cop gets behind me turns on the lights fuck now the weeds underneath the seat and chill them uh, weed and chill them underneath the seat and i was like my friend i was like all right just chill out like everything happened exactly the way it happens except for the cruise we you know uh we saw us friends you know you know we had dinner with friends and then we're gonna go to this uh we're gonna go to the after party and she's like all right cool you know it's a cop 
you know, hey, you know what? I pulled you over. No, no, officer. I don't know why you pulled me over. And it's like, you got a light out on your license plate. Fuck. Um, you know, sticks his head in there, starts sniffing around. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, this ain't good. It's like, all right, you know, you know, what were you up to? Oh, we're just doing this. All right, could you step out of the car, please? Fuck. So now I'm out of the car. And we rehash what we just discussed inside the car. And, uh, and I was like, do you drink, uh, drinking tonight? I was like, I had one rum and Coke, which was, you know, hundred percent the truth. All right, cool. Can you get inside the passenger side of the squad car, please? <sighs> so it's like, things have escalated so quickly. I've gone from out of the car to in the squad car voluntarily. Like things have just, <laughs> just descended, you know, have gotten so much worse. And I look inside the uh, in my car, and my friend is just sitting there staring straight forward. She hasn't moved a muscle. <laughs> and like, I'm inside the squad car and he gives me the sobriety test, follow my finger kind of stuff like that, you know, and he's, you know, we're going through this and I think I'm doing all right. I'm doing this all stoned out of my head too, by the way. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not at the top of my game. Um, <laughs> but apparently I was. And uh, he's like, all right, well, you passed the field sobriety test. You've been very honest and upfront with me. Um, you can just go about your night. And I, and I was like, all right, cool. Thank you. You know, I got out of the car, uh, got into my car. <laughs> like we drove to the party. Like it was another like, like another five or 10 minute drive. We didn't say a word to each other. Like we just got there and like, you know, I saw my met up with my friends. They're like, hey, you know, of course they're like, let's get stoned. And I'm like, Hey guys, like, I don't know if I want to get stoned right now. I'm a little thrown off. Like, blah, blah, and explained what happened. But yeah, should have gotten arrested that night. Could have gotten arrested that night for what was probably a gram and a half of, of weed. Man, that's just like, I'm, like, I'm jittery just from that story. I totally understand, though, that silence. Like, after, after you get back in the vehicle and no words are spoken, everybody just looks straight ahead because it's like, oh, shit. Like, we almost just had a really bad thing happen. And, and it's I also like a mentally recover. It's from like that. a silent agreement of like, let's just get to wherever the fuck we're going. Yeah. And then when we get out of the car, that's when we can celebrate and talk about this and whatever right. else. But at this point we're still on the road. We're still like, we Why can still, we yeah, we can still get fucking pulled over. <laughs> yeah. So man, like it was, it was not, it was not I, like when I got inside the squad car, that's when I thought I was boned. I thought it was boned right on the spot. I was like, this guy's going to be like, all right, well, I smelled marijuana in the car. So you know, we're going to place you under the rest for suspicion of cannabis, you know, and it's like, all right, let's like my friends in town and I'm on my way to a party and I find myself arrested like shit. Yeah, dude, close call, close call. Yeah, yeah. it's like um, and when you're driving, you're not talking to your brother. Like I think of the um, that uh, right after the scene in Pulp Fiction, when they revive Uma Thurman and it's mm -hmm. Travolta and, and Uma Thurman sitting in the car, like in dead silence, like on their way back to dropping her off. Yeah, Not that exactly. intense, but like, <laughs> it's just like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, Justine, do you have any crazy stories of uh, close encounters with law enforcement that you feel you can discuss on air? I mean, <laughs> not uh not in the scope of cannabis i mean i've i've had other run-ins but <laughs> other run-ins with, with cannabis. <laughs> yeah 
have you been up to in your former life? Anything you're at drunk liberty and to discuss? Drunk and disorderly. <laughs> no, I mean, okay. So um, when I was a freshman in high school, I had started to hang out with kind of the wrong crowd and was in um, a car full of teenagers. So we're all like 14 to 16 years old. And uh, we got pulled over and the driver had been drinking and the passenger had an open beer. And these are both 16 year old boys. And I was in the back seat and with a friend of mine and we ended up, um, they basically just took us home. They took the boys, I think to jail, but they just dropped us off at a house and I remember having to tell my parents that my name was going to be included in a police report and my parents were furious, but hanging out with the wrong sort, Justine. I know, I know, but I think I, I probably had drank in some capacity that night, probably not very much because I'm sure I was terrified. I don't remember it very well, but, um, so I think I kind of got away with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that I remember from my brush with the law. Sobered me up real quick. Real quick. Yeah. It gets you a whole other level of it's such a weird feeling. That's that fight or flight for sure. And, you know, I did also have another time when I was underage drinking at a bar and a friend of mine pushed me like back into kind of a corner area where I couldn't be seen because he saw a cop starting to walk through the bar to check IDs. And then they kind of snuck me out. You live a crazy life. Yeah, man. Yeah. Sneaking around. (laughs) Sneaking around. Get ducking the law. Mm -hmm. Justine. Criminal. Mm -hmm. Sounds awesome to me. A smooth criminal. (laughs) Sounds like time well spelled, Justine. Good for you. Yeah, good for you. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Cole, you're up to bat. (laughs) All right. I'm up to bat. So my story is pretty crazy um it happened with another friend of mine and um i ended up seeing i was also on way on the way to like a a get together of sorts pre-covid it was quite a while ago actually i I almost think now maybe it was over five years ago it's really crazy to think about how fast time flies but um we were just the same type of story as you chris uh driving around um in the country because that's it's kind of like a Southern Illinois thing, I guess, or Midwestern Southern Illinois, you know, kind of that if you're not in Chicago, there's a lot of roads to be driving on, I guess is what I'm saying in the country. And so my yes, younger yes. self, we'd, you know, like you say, you can't, there's not like permittable per, permitted places. So you're kind of forced to take a slow cruise in the country, yeah. you know, back, back country cruise as we called it or whatever. So um, we were in the country and we just, you know, the big thing is like, it's tough sometimes, especially when you got cool toys to like, to, to, like driving and smoking, of course, it's not anything that I like condone at all. You know, now again, we're talking about the days when you really, really had to hide smoking. And so this is what you were kind of forced to do. And in some, some instances, which is really fucked up, but anyways, just the story. Yes. Um, do not smoke and drive because cannabis or Chilinois mentioned and it passed incense. Yes. Thank you for yeah. making sure you're, we clarified that. Yeah, I want to be clear about that. But to, just to go on with the story, this is a younger, dumber, dumber version of myself, even dumber than I am right now. So um, uh, basically, 
driving around and we're like, you know, we don't want to like continue to like have to turn and focus on the road. Like, you know, we want to just like kind of chill and listen to music and smoke and, you know, maybe roll some up and do some things that are hard to do while you're driving and trying to worry about driving. You know what I mean? And so um, we pulled into this place that, that we felt, we both felt comfortable pulling into, <laughs> like, you know, let's just say that. And um, kind of parked in a back, like dark, darker place in the parking lot, kind of behind this wall that jutted out from the structure we were parking near and just kind of rolled the windows down. It was a nice summer night, turned the music up just a little um, and we're just smoking. Right. And the drive uh, into the place was like ass was rock. I'm trying to think gravel, not asphalt gravel right mm -hmm. and um we could hear a car approaching right and we had only been there for like 10 or 15 minutes so it was like oh great you know somebody maybe pull saw us pull in and they're like coming out to check it out like you know let's just uh let's try to put some things away you know and let's just like get out of here and so we so were listening and, out and... No, no. <laughs> so we're listening <laughs> we're listening and it sounds like the car has pulled away it's pulling away so we're like okay so it's like all right let's still just like that was scary let's still just like pack things up you know like we don't have to like be crazy about it because whoever that is is gone but let's just pack things up and let's get out of here and so like I put my bong in the back back and mind you, I had a bong with a, with a uh, dab vac on it. Now can't uh, Chris go ahead and Google and listeners Google a dab vac. This is not a plug for these people. I don't even know if they're still operating. Honestly, Oh, it looks like they are look at images. So you thought the, you thought a dabber looked like a crack pipe. Well, this thing literally looks like it's, it's got, it's so it is a dab rig. So it kind of has that cracky look. You use a crack tor or a, a torch with it, not a crack torch. Um, and, but also included in the device is this like hose. It's like this hose apparatus here. Let me try, try this out. Uh, once we get a video podcast going, I'm going to be able to pull a Joe Rogan and be like, Jamie, could you pull that shit up? Um, I'm going to pull something up for Justine just to test this out and see if she can see this device um, that we're talking about, uh, Cannabev. Um, I don't know if you're, if you're looking at it, but folks, if you've Googled the dab VAC VAC, it just looks like this, like, um, here you go, Justine. It just looks like kind of like a really scary device. I don't know how to put it like a really druggy device. <laughs> I don't know. I'm putting it in terms. So anyways, we had that in the back along with a bong. Um, he had a, like a MacBook air case in which he had like, weed all over it because we were about to roll up a lot of joints and so he just like set that down on the floorboard and so we're like slowly pulling out could you turn the tv off we're slowly slowly pulling out and um this car their the headlights turn on right and this car like gets right up on us and i can see the like the car has returned yeah yeah and the I can see uh, they've got like a bowl. I think it's called a bowl bar on the front. Like cops do, you know, so they got this. Yeah. Like, and I, at that point I was like, that's a fucking cop. And I just like, I just felt my heart drop again. I was just like, holy shit, you know? And so I was just like, okay. And so I like started like 
putting jackets over the stuff, you know, like in the, the back seat, um, because he was pulling out of the place that we were in. Right. So like uh, my, my driver was pulling out. And so the cop is behind us, but not like right up on us just yet. But when we pull out of the place and I've kind of got jackets on it, on everything, like he is like right on us. Like he's definitely going to pull us. Over. Yeah. He's uh, running like, your plates. Yeah. He's running it and uh, he's going to pull us over. So we come up to a highway and I'm literally just like, we're looking, we look left, we look right. There are people coming to our right that are very, very close to us. But we just say fuck it and book it like right in front of those people, like pretty right in front of those people, and just get up to, you know, the speed limit and keep driving. Um, we were we were not very far away from the place that we needed to be, luckily. And so when I pulled into that place, the feeling of liberation, um, I could not describe <laughs> to you. I like was like exploding out of that car. I exploded out of that car, and as soon as I got out of the car, I like I like, turned around. I was like gotta get my weed to smoke now. Cause like, Holy shit, I just about lost all this stuff. And, um, yeah, we did that. The craziest part of this story is that we did run into that cop later that night and he did, um, try to talk to us. Uh, you know, it was a very Where you short... at earlier, <laughs> right? Well, exactly. That was Nowhere. the conversation. <laughs> and that was the thing is that at that point we knew we didn't have anything on us and we were fine. Like it was hours past it. It was quite late at night, but we knew we were good. So we had actually, we ran into him at a store. I guess he's just like going around. And uh, so we come out of the store and he's like right behind our car. And we're like, Oh great. This guy again. Right. And so he's like, Hey, where were you guys at later or earlier this night? And I was like, I mean, we've been a lot of places. I don't, I don't know. I was at school, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And he really tried to make a conversation and try to figure out what was going on out there. And uh, I believe what we ended up telling him, and it's just funny. We were like, okay, to be honest, like we were out there smoking cigarettes and he was just like, really? He's like, come on guys. And he's just like, blah, 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 blah. And just like, (laughs) and he just ended up being like, get out of here type of thing. Yeah. It was a very scary night. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you, you you feel like the uh, the cuffs are inevitable. Uh, right. It was uh, it was not awesome. Yeah, like um, fortunately, I'm I'm beyond doing most of those stupid things these days. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude, like there was plenty of times. I like when I was in um, when I was in high school. That buddy of mine, uh, the, the first time we were hanging out, another time, and um, to go to the to give you an idea of the zeitgeist of the time when I grew up, like Beavis and Butthead was the thing. And we were trying to do um, the dragon's breath with um, <laughs> a charcoal lighter, which you can't really do because it's not combustible like that. So we were trying to do that and uh, like in this park and we see this yeah. set of lights coming and we're like, shit's not working. Let's just go. So, uh, you know, uh, we just book out of there. You get in the car and we leave the car. Uh, the car gets behind us. It was a cop to pull this over like check the car we had nothing inside the car stuff like that like i was like oh well, i happen we got stoned at my place <laughs> <laughs> no that's exactly the the feeling right there is like when you when i like i said when i ran into that law enforcement officer it, it was very empowering to know that i didn't have anything on me at that time and like early like like you say all the thoughts that were going through my head was like the cuffs are on here's the process. Who do I got to call? That was the thought that came up. Like, who do I got to call to like 
post bail or whatever the fuck has to happen to get out. You know, like I ain't spending the night fucking locked up type of thing. And it's so crazy because, you know, your story, my story, we were kids. Yeah. 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 Pretty stupid. (laughs) Pretty. We were very lucky. Very, 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 very lucky. Very, very lucky. Like I say, though, the point I was trying to make, yes, we were stupid. And yes, Mm -hmm. like, you know, all that. But like, it's crazy that what we were doing was a nonviolent offense. And we were like, all these thoughts were going through our head. Like, like, I'm going to be locked up. Right. This, oh yeah that, you know like i know how the shawshank redemption goes yes yeah those thoughts start going through your head You're like i'm looking for a spoon <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I, under the circumstances i'm pretty sure the spoon would find you i'm pretty sure that's the way it goes for the new guy um yes fortunately that i don't see that in the cards for me in the future uh, at least not, in, not that, that is something i'm going to avoid in my career in cannabis for sure yeah. <laughs> definitely i'm right there with you um i think you know the more i reflect on it the closest i've come to um a cannabis arrest would be i used to date a police officer and broke up with him and he knew very well that i had easy access to and consumed cannabis and there was a lot of fear for a while after we broke up because <laughs> i broke up with him that's some shit to hold over somebody, though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was very fortunate that that did not end up being the case. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that would be the craziest thing to have held over your head. Is like, oh, you smoke, and I believe me, I've actually had it held over my head. Like, and it's been you know some people that I know that like it used to be like an arguing point. It'd be like like if I was if there was a point you where I was just head. yes there you go if there's a point where you're too right it's like oh why don't you just go get high you know yeah. like that yeah. was always tons their of that. parting words you know yeah tons of that uh, stoner yeah because uh. you're able to be cool calm and collected in an argument and it really gets at their ego <laughs> yeah like uh, uh, yeah the brutish thing doesn't really terribly work because I'm like five foot eight so yeah. you know being a little bit more clever in the moment helps and, and marijuana sometimes helps mostly helps. I think helps. (laughs) I think I'm charming as hell. Trust me. You wanted, you would rather hang out with stone Chris than drunk Chris. Hurricane Chris is something (laughs) nobody wants a piece of. It's just bad news. It's just bad news. Nothing good comes from that. Like it's just, it's just an ugly sight. I like that. I'll apologize now if it ever happens. Like, it's like, I'm good with that lifestyle. I'll stick, I'll stick with the herb. I'll stick with the overpriced herb. It's cool. I had to write down Hurricane Chris because that's just amazing. <laughs> if I ever see you sipping on something again, I'm going to be like, watch out for Hurricane Chris. Right. Well, there's out. stages, right? You know, there's, you know, we can go from, you know, sometimes it can be like a light misting, you know, almost charming, you know, for a short <laughs> while. But at some point, you know, there, you know, there'll be tropical depression, Chris, which is when I'm still saying words that I think make sense in my head, but really aren't. And then hurricane Chris is I create my own language. <laughs> That's when, you know, That's when, you know, That's crazy. That's funny. I love it. I love it. That's mm-hmm. hilarious. I mean, just, you know, uh, not to not like, I wasn't, I'm, this is just a thought that came up just cause like you say, there are really people that don't even know what they're saying sometimes when, when they're talking, isn't it? Like, I know this is an age old, like 
uh it's like uh, i always say it's like i sound like i'm seinfeld when i say isn't it weird you know like what's up with this but like uh it's crazy that we just have unadulterated access to just alcohol like i can literally go to a liquor store right now and get ever clear which if i drank a fucking full glass of it would kill me right but i can't go buy more if i wasn't a medical card holder i couldn't go and buy more than 30 grams of flour like right just exactly Exactly. and that kind of wraps around to um what you were saying earlier where like you know all states are taking this different approach and it'd be interesting to see just full on you know legality in the sense of like not having to worry about it being like it, it is a nonviolent offense so like in the like you know if you're consuming where you shouldn't be consuming i still think that's citable just like it would be with alcohol right you know i think there's a lot of things that we can just like there's no reason we can't treat it the same um and it's crazy that like even with and i and i get like all states approach it approach it's like a compromise type of thing but it's really weird that like and i talk about this all the time that like cannabis legality it's like only a it's so much legal that's how i always put it it's like legal this much you know so there's like always like like the there's the possession limit then in our state you can't grow unless you have a medical card but then if you do you can only grow five and if you grow over five i believe like the first time it might be a warning, but if I'm if I look up the cannabis penalties, if you grow over five as a medical cannabis patient, that is a felony. It's crazy. One yeah. more plant, and all of a sudden you lose your right to vote. And um, I, you get what I'm saying. I and folks that have listened get get what I'm saying. But isn't it kind of crazy? Here I am with Seinfeld again. Isn't it weird? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's the comedian I'm thinking <laughs> of, but uh, uh, it is. It is. Yeah, it's weird. It's fucked up. So I'm going to look up cannabis penalties. Yeah. I mean, um, the people, so, uh, you know, to, to, to make the point uh, from earlier, like people's perspective on, you know, the consumption of cannabis is, 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 I think is actually in a really weird spot, but like, once again, to speak of, you know, the service that, you know, Chilinoy podcast offers that, uh, that Canabev offers is kind of filling in kind of those, those, the blanks, you know, so when people start thinking about legislation and looking at legislation, when John Q. Public, you know, you know, this is on the ballot for, you know, a senator, you know, if they're, you know, pro-legalization or not, or a president, the pro-legalization not, are asking the white, uh, the right questions. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So there are opportunities for small, you know, small producers to break into the market. You know, the barriers of entry aren't so astronomical that nobody could possibly break it. And it's like, I'm not interested in the government legalizing, you know, the creation of like for real like when we talk about big ag we're talking big cannabis i mean cannabis cultivators that manufacture so much that they can distribute to multiple states you know they have huge you know centers of distribution all throughout the united states where they can cultivate and you know deliver all that like i'm not interested in creating that world on the federal level like right and that's you know, something the, that, yeah, Mike Malcolm has said that we do have to be careful with, yeah, that federal level is like, we do want to be careful in the sense of like, just, you know, turning on the machine. Cause if you do, you're going to see people like Pfizer, 
uh, the Bud Lights, Natural Lights, the Coca Colas, the fucking this, that, and the other. You know, they're all Monsanto. Yeah. They're all going to get their hat in the ring. And so, one thing that's kind of protecting us from that is this state by state approach in a weird sort of way. It's kind of weird, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, that's why, you know, things like Chillinoid Podcast is important. So, you know, the people that hear about these things will be like, well, I don't want my, you know, I don't want, you know, the federal level, you know, to, to do it the shitty way that Illinois decides to do it when, you know, when you have, you know, big cultivars, you know, controlling the supply and points of distribution, you know, I don't want that on a federal level. So when I talk to my, you know, Congress, you know, person, you know, I can be informed about these things. It's important for the populace to be asking these questions, like, especially before it's entrenched, like it's, you know, then, you know, the nature of the, or the market that is, you know, wine and spirits, like that market is, is set in stone, you know, it's, right. it's, that's just the way it is. Like right now there's flexibility, you know, in the market when it comes down to cannabis. And when we get people asking the right questions, we'll, you know, we'll get better product. We'll actually do the social equity things that so many of these businesses claim that they're into, but we know that's not true, you know, not just on the business level, but let's be honest is, you know, at the governmental level as well. Um, and when we start, you know, when we get a more informed public and we get more people asking the right questions and, you know, demanding the right solutions, like, I think, you know, the, the world of, of cannabis will be so much better on so many levels, not just from the consumer's point of view, though, you know, it's the one that I'm most interested in because, you know, it's the one that most directly affects me, but like from a business point of view as well, yeah. you know, everybody thinks that, you know, the only way to do business, you know, is to do it the way that we've always been doing business, you know, but it's like, if we get, you know, some of these small cultivators, you know, have a really good, you know, that have an effective business plan, but a really good, create a really good cultivating culture where they take care of their people and people are, you know, treated with respect, have good benefits, have good wages, you know, uh, and it becomes like, you know, more of a career job for people. Um, like, I think those places are going to be, you know, even more successful as well. Like, you know, the business will boom, you know, the, 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 uh, the consumer itself will be happier. They'll be making a better product. Like it'll contribute more to the, I mean, you have all these people that, you know, talk about all the time, you know, growth, 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 you know, growth at all costs. And it's like, all right, well, let's make a really good, you know, cannabis industry where we're not focused strictly on efficiencies, but, you know, making a better product for a better experience for a motivated public. Like, let's do that. Like that will, you know, contribute to the growth that these people are always, you know, saying that we have to achieve. Yeah. Well said. You're preaching today, Chris. God damn. You got the shit written down or something, dude? <laughs> no, these, these are just stone Thoughts. rants by hey i well by, you're by well, i'm not i'm not joking man you're well said i you know i was that was a compliment i wasn't trying uh, to thank you yeah yeah for sure i'm sorry i deflected no thank you for saying i appreciate it <laughs> is this rain shower chris is that what yeah we call you here uh yeah i guess yeah yeah like i reserve those kind of rants for like in person like those are next level those are next level like alcohol, I'm, I'm usually a lot more willing to to share and and make you know outrageous comments and and you know embody multiple different characters and all that other kind of stuff. Like 
do a scene from a movie, you know, act all the parts, <laughs> that kind of shit. Maybe one day you'll see it. Maybe you don't. I mean, once again, I'll apologize ahead of time. Yeah, I know. I'm praying for the post-COVID world where we see this. I got to see Hurricane Chris. <laughs> Nobody wants to see me stumbling around. Least of, least of all my SO. She'll be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're not getting Chris drunk just so we can entertain people. So I got to deal with the fallout. <laughs> she knows you're going to show up and entertain. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> she knows if Chris is prompted, he's going to show up. Um, so I got to give the people what they want. You know? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Mean? Give the people what they want. um so uh really quick i just wanted to i'd always tried to research you know what we're saying and that's actually a little bit worse than i remembered um according to normal i'm on normal.org looking at illinois law and penalties Uh, so if you look up illinois law and illinois laws and penalties um normal like on google you'll find what i'm looking at and um under possession actually if you have more and this is you know we're we're throwing aside the medical cannabis card right if you have more than 30 grams, um, so 30 to 100, the first offense is a misdemeanor with incarceration time of up to one year and a maximum fine of $2,500. The subsequent offense of more than 30 to 100 grams is a felony with incarceration time of one to three years uh, with a maximum fine of $25,000. Everything else is a felony. So it doesn't even matter if it's your first offense. If you have more than a hundred grams and you're not um, a medical cannabis patient, um, that's a felony. What if you like, if you're growing five plants and you harvest and then you grow another five plants and you just kept some of your herb, I I guess maybe that doesn't make sense. Well, in the, yeah, no, that's a good question. That's a really good question. In the context of a medical cannabis patient, we, Illinois is, I've talked to people at normal, they call it uh, keep what you grow state. So in other words, um, there is no possession limit at home for Illinois medical cannabis patients. Um, you just, the, the thing about it is that any amount cultivated at home that does exceed 30 grams, I think the law says you need to quote unquote secure it within the residence, whatever that means. Keep your door locked. I don't know. <laughs> so I'll yeah, put it a in jar. a jar. How about that? Is that cool? Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, keep what you grow. So you're good there. Um, the, the possession limit on your card really only uh, relates to what you can carry um, just on your person, right? In public or whatever. And uh, the amount you can purchase in two weeks, it's your allotment. So, but, but to get to cultivation, Chris, because that's when we were talking, that's kind of what got me into this topic. Um, so um, if you cultivate more than five plants and look, I, from what I'm reading, I'm not a lawyer. I'm looking just at this website, but it doesn't really make a distinction on like, it's not like, you know, there's a different penalty for medical cannabis patients versus adult use, or I guess just a regular person, but more than five plants, it's a felony with one to three years of uh, time that you could serve and $25,000. Look, I'm sure uh, of maximum fines. I'm sure that if you're a medical cannabis patient that they're like, you're going to see some, like you'd hope you'd see some, like uh, what am I trying to say? Just like, give me the benefit of the doubt type of thing, lenience, something like that. Um, But I'm not seeing anything that really, you know, under the circumstances, I mean, given COVID right now, I don't think law enforcement is going to allocate time to busting somebody's ass who's growing six plants. Like I would imagine it. Like if you're, 
it's just crazy if that I was really that it's written that way that's yeah. really my point you know yeah oh yeah like a felony and it's like this guy yeah yeah in all likelihood this person's probably you know is probably selling it but he's like he's not like this isn't tony montana like yeah. he doesn't like you know what i mean like i don't think that's the battle that they're looking you know that anybody's willing to allocate time to fight right now i hope but right. the fact that that the laws i mean honestly like it looks like it's an op- I don't know if we're going to start off a problem here. I think this is an op, you know, it's the kind of racist nature of, of the law. Right. Like, like in all likelihood as a, you know, white male in America, if I got busted with, you know, 98 grams of weed on me, like I probably see a lot of lenience, somebody else, you know, in the same circumstances, you know, you know, like an African American, you know, gentleman from the ages of 18 to, you know, however old has a great chance of being put away for a felony for having 98 grams of, you know, of cannabis on them. You're um, absolutely right. Be because the thing is, is that we've still got trafficking laws. And from what I'm reading, the trafficking laws, if you're, if they say that you're trafficking, which I don't know what the distinction is for that. Like, I know that I feel like it's pretty loose. It's like, oh, you've got it in separate bags. It's like, well, of course they're separate strains or whatever, but like, um, you know, whatever the hypothetical situation well, now may it's be. packaging, right? Yeah, exactly. So Attach, um, uh, packaging and with intent to sell. Sure. Yeah. And I'm sure if you like have, yeah, some packaging that you get that looks just like legit, they could slap you with trafficking. And so anyways, uh, more than 10 to 30 grams. So that's within the parameters that you're legally allowed to possess. If for some reason they determine you're trafficking it, felony, one to three years, $25,000 maximum fine. Um, and then same goes with more, more than 30 grams. It actually goes all the way to 500 grams. So they make it real, real nice and, you know, give themselves a lot of room there, uh, right. to, to slap somebody with trafficking, get them another felony on top of their possession limit. So that would be another felony on top of if you were, you know, above 30, um, with maximum time of, uh, two to five years and, uh, fines up to $50,000. Okay. I honestly hope there's nobody getting busted for any of this stuff right now. I hope so, no. but we do we do know of, uh, and I know this might seem anecdotal, but this one thing that we've been talking about, um, and this is just, I'm sorry, folks, for bringing it up, but again, like you say, Chris, we're trying to educate the people. So, like, going from adult use, sorry, from decriminalization to adult use, so 2019 to 2020, um, you actually saw an increase in penalties of it because we defined transportation laws, right? So, before... 2020 and 2019 if chris you got pulled over with a bag of weed in your pocket and you weren't a medical cannabis patient and it was uh i think it was 10 grams or less was that the decriminal yeah so if you had a bag of weed with like you know eighth or 10 grams or whatever in, in your pocket you could just get a citation and um it would not be on your criminal record well now in 2020 that same situation you'd get cited for transporting cannabis incorrectly um, and we've actually seen somebody, uh, I think two people, but definitely one person, they've gotten a class, a misdemeanor court supervision fines, um, all because they quote unquote, were, weren't transporting cannabis correctly. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's an opportunity to, uh, bust some people for some bullshit and force yep. people into the legal market. Right. Definitely. Uh, you don't want to take that risk. 
right? And for the people that this is a side hustle or a couple of, you know, like if you got 30 grams of, of cannabis on you and it's like, you're not like, you're not a player. Like, I mean, you're not like, you're not, no, no, this isn't like, once again, this is an American gangster. Like it, it, it's like most of the time it's like, you're doing that as a side hustle, you know? And like the fact that they're, that they're allocating, like this is misallocation of law enforcement funds or however we use, you know, do we do criminal justice and all of that? Right. Like instead of, you know, criminalizing and throwing, you know, people in jail for having, I mean, who cares? Make it 200 grams of, of cannabis. It's like, is this really what we want to allocate time to? Busting these people and putting them in the system and ruining another life or a plant? Like, how about we just you know, do a little bit more community outreach and, um, you know, make our, make our law enforcement uh, look a little bit more like our communities. And, you know, instead of creating boogeyman, you know, create a, I don't know, just a better outlook on, on, on how we do a number of things. It's turning into yeah. a much larger conversation. <laughs> no, it's it's one though that we've had here before. It's one that I'm super interested in. Like, um, I really think like obviously it's a nuanced problem and everything. So, um, you know, there's a lot of ideas floating around, but I think that like they need to restructure training for law enforcement. Like, I've been I'm under the impression that a lot of law enforcement training is like kind of like everybody's out to kill you. So you need to be on your, like, you know, on your toes and like, not let anybody, like, I remember an experience where I wasn't like a officer wouldn't shake my hand. Cause, and I ended up finding out that that's something that they've been told in training. Like, don't let people touch you. Don't anything, you know? And I get it. I totally get it in it to an extent. Uh, but then I'll also like, you know, not only ch- restructure training, but make training regular like you know in special for and they act like they're in the special forces right there's they fucking look like it too they got all the equipment and stuff so um, when you're in the special forces you get regular recurring training i also think mental health and therapy is something that should be uh, afforded and uh, regular and encouraged um because we've talked to we actually we had uh the folks from chicago kush on the podcast recently and they he uh fabian um, was formerly like in law enforcement. And so he was talking about like the circles, you know, they're supposed to be like therapy, therapeutic, like where you get together and you talk about your experiences and it ends up being like war stories where they're talking about like, all right, so I got three left in the clip and I'm behind the car and you know, this guy's fucking shooting it. You know, it's this like movie like story. So um, like I say though, all these answers that I even came up with are probably, you know, simple answers, but I feel like they, you know, would go a long way towards what is a huge problem. Like you say, I think the biggest thing is making uh, law enforcement look like the community. Um, I wish like when law, isn't it crazy, Chris, that like when you, when you encounter law enforcement, like I really feel like you should be happy to see them like, Oh, Hey, that's my dude. That's the guy that's got my back. That's the guy that makes sure that people don't like steal my shit, break into my house you know, and he's going to be the one to help me in emergencies and stuff. Like you would right. figure like that's somebody you'd wave at and you'd like be happy to see every day. That's his job. Right. But that's not, that should be his job. Right. But that's so often not his job. And so often, and I say his, you know, that whatever um, 
it's just weird that, sorry, I'm ranting. I'm going to turn it over to you. Isn't it weird that we're just like, always so scared every time we see somebody who should be serving and protecting us? Um, yeah, certainly. I mean, I grew up in that world where, you know, the police were your friend or your buddy, you know, it, you know, this goes to, you know, you know, the, the, the cliche, you know, but, you know, elements of truth of the two Americas, right? You know, I mean, this is how, you know, you know, we're, you know, we're taught, you know, two very different ways to approach the, you know, police and, you know, and, and rightfully so, like, <laughs> like people, you know, African-American people, you know, should be afraid of the police. I mean, it, we've kind of, kind of breached that, by the way, I don't know if this is content for your podcast, but oh, like, oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, we did, this is a topic we talk about all the time. I mean, we were talking a few episodes about um, how they get the military equipment that they have. Like, Oh yeah. 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 Um, like I've seen stuff like I've read like things about it, like about people uh, or about like in Newsweek about like, Oh yeah. Like the military doesn't use it. So they sell it. They yeah. sell it to like communities that can afford it. Like, I mean, I've seen like the pictures of, you know, you know, armored police cars and, you know, you know, police with full on riot gears, you know, you know, helmets, all of those things, all the crazy shit, you know, crowd control for like seriously hot areas. Right. Right. We, we, we were talking about a, a heat gun in a, f- a few episodes ago that they were considering using on the protesters in like Oregon and Portland or wherever there were a lot of protests going on. I saw something about like some kind of like sonic ray or sonic. Yeah. And a sound uh, cannon. Yes. The sound cannon thing. And I was like, good Lord. Like what the, f-? like, all right, that's a bit muchness, but I, yeah. Like, but I mean, I guess, like it's it's like i don't know if like i mean i live in a town that has eighty thousand people i mean it's a pretty it's a pretty big town but it's like i hope they don't think a town a populace of eighty thousand people needs like a sonic you know sonic speaker what is it called Uh, yeah it's like a lad a sonic cannon i think is what they call it loosely but i think the technical term is an lad it sounds like something that some movie villain would use to right exactly <laughs> it's like right like they would go into like a bank and just turn on this the sonic cannon and everyone would be on the ground screaming and like he'd be wearing these special earphones and say something <laughs> right. glib before he takes everything away right yeah yeah it's something out of a movie for sure like a fucking sci-fi movie it's it's really scary stuff um so yeah let's hope that uh you know, our relationship uh, heals with law enforcement. Because I mean, I like, I don't know. I we don't have to get too deep into this because this is, you know, that that this is where it does like get you know into a pretty like sensitive, I guess, political topic. But I feel like it's not. This isn't disagreeable. Like I feel, I hope that law enforcement could remain in a form. You know, maybe not in the way that we've known it. You know, let's go through a restructuring or whatever we have to do. Um, but I just hope that there's a future that like we're talking about Chris, where it's like, you're happy to see this guy, this guy or girl or whoever. And, um, you know, you feel safe when you see them. Like that's the, that's the point that we should shoot for is like, those are the people that should make you feel safe. So what do we have to do to make us feel safe? You know, like, and, and appreciate like, you know, 
have them do services that we can appreciate. Uh, a part of that problem too, is that they get put into situations that they really shouldn't be. Have you watched cops and live PD and stuff like that when they were on like, and the people they have to deal with, like that's arguably something that should be sorted out in therapy, couples therapy, oh, yeah. something totally. like that. And they're put into a situation where they got to be in between it, you know? And so yeah, I, yeah there's such no, a, well, I mean, I shouldn't say there's no training. I'm sure there's plenty, there is training, but it's like, like a social worker should show up and be like, all right, clearly you two folks aren't going to be able to communicate with each other. So we're going to talk to each other separately. You know, no gun has to be present, you know, nothing right. where somebody could lose their life has to be present. Right. You know? And it's like, I think we would, you know, I'm like, we're better off diffusing the situation. And then, you know, you train, you know, the police, you know, you got to be hard up and ready for shit to happen at a moment's notice. You know, and it's like when you're going into a situation, you know, people screaming and freaking out. And it's like, yeah, you, you know, you see in cops and it's like, wow, that's really an overwhelming thing. I'm having anxiety watching this shit, let alone being there. You know, <laughs> yes. you know, you get these people all geared up and it's like, no. And it's like, but here's the, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't like, I, I, I feel, you know, people are just put in an untenable situation. And I think you know, you know, folks have dug their heels in so deep, you know, on, on both sides that, you know, there's no, like, you know, there, there's no listening in the process. And I guess, you know, maybe this is my privilege being able for me to say something like that, but I don't think, I mean, how can you come into a negotiating table, you know, and say, you know, only, you know, I know the one truth in the way that it has to be done. And it's like, right. I know, a dialogue has to be created. And I, and I hope, I really, really hope that, you know, we're finally, you know, we're getting to the point that we're getting there. I mean, I hope in lieu of recent changes at the highest level of government that, you know, more positive things will, will come out of it. But like, you know, there's such entrenched bullshit, you know, keeping things the way that they are that like, it, it's easy to get pessimistic and cynical about it, but it's like, I want to remain optimistic. I really truly yeah. do. Like I, like, like a fool, uh, I believe in humanity, you know, and I think, you know, once people start recognizing each other's humanity a little bit more, I think, uh, I think we'll have better days ahead of us. I've well said, yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful because yeah, I, I really think that's it is we just at a base level, we just need to realize we're all human right? You know, and treat right. each other it's, that way. Hey man, we're all just trying to, you know, get through get through life like listen like i'll be yeah, frank get through like, whatever this is right what exactly. is this <laughs> exactly you know and it's like like so well here i'll, I'll be uh, i live in waukegan um there's a large uh latinx um population here on the south side there's a pretty big african-american uh populace there um so like in places that i've worked in when they say Waukegan they mean non-white and like when people say something like that I'll be like I live in Waukegan and they'll kind of look at me funny and they'll be like you do and I'm like yeah and you're like well what's it like and I'm like you know there's a family you know to the left of me you know that has two kids uh family to the right of me that has you know a uh, young family uh grandfather and three children um and a, a grandmother as well. It's like, we're just a bunch of people getting our, getting our way through life. 
the kids go to school, the parents go to work. Like people just getting through life. Yep. Just trying to make it through, you know, one thing that has made it hard um, and to make it, to make it through for me is like the absence of, uh, and it's hard. It's even harder now in Illinois because it's so cold, like no stand up comedy. It's a big thing for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I miss the days. The reason I thought of that is because I went to actually some stand up comedy in Waukegan, quite a drive. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that I is a drive. Yeah, I went and saw a uh, stoner legend, Bill Maher. And, uh, I was there. Uh, you were there? Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's uh, And for folks that are listening, that's the famous story that... Um, who? Were, oh, it was with Kyle Fields. So if you want to hear the story with Kyle Fields, uh, check out that episode. Speaking of Kyle Fields, he's going to be on the podcast in the future. Really excited for that. Um, but anyways, that's the trip i told you guys about where i gave my friend a dab and he started having a seizure in my vehicle so that was the one time and i was so scared i thought i about killed my friend with dabs it was like a scene out of dare chris it was like a scene out of dare let me tell you (laughs) don't let this happen to you cole (laughs) (laughs) oh shit dude i just got texted i think it's time for me to to wrap this up cool i was about to ask we're about at the top of our time slot so uh, Chris, remind us, where where can we find uh, Cannabev online? Where can't you find Cannabev online? That's I, a better I'm on, question. I am on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. I'm on the WeedTube. I am on Twitter. And I am on Cannabuzz at Cannabev. Cool. All right, guys. And that handle will be in the description. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show again. And uh, sorry for thank the you. first time. You know how it is. No Technical worries. Problems. It's the COVID world, right? right. Um, so we'll have you on in the future. Um, and uh, yeah, so cheers, Chillinoy. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much, guys. It was, my, it was my privilege to be here. Cheers to you both. Always a pleasure, Chris.